0: Hey, everybody. My name's Alex, and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio. Before we get into the main show in, like, the opening segment as I'm coming to find this section, I want to thank everybody for listening to the last episode on FLCL Progressive. I know that FLCL Progressive was not as popular as the original FLCL. I will get to Alternative in another podcast, because I kind of, like, I need to complete the journey, but, um, I thought it was really interesting, and if you have a passing interest in FLCL, or a passing interest in what I said about FLCL, you should definitely go listen to FLCL Progressive, and also the original FLCL episode that is way earlier in the feed, but... I also wanted to si- to just, like, shout out to people. I know there are people who listen to this specifically because of my panels. I am going to be at Anime NYC. I'm not going to be doing panels there. I am going to be attending, hanging out, all that stuff. If you are, like, wandering around the convention center, the Javits, and you've, like, happened upon me, feel free to say hi. I, I love meeting other people who are into anime even half as much as I am because... Man, I, 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 had, I had an experience actually with, um, Mongolian underscore chop, I think Mongolian chop underscore squad on Instagram and he was like, yeah, Mongolian chop squad is old and I'm like, Mongolian chop Squad's not that old, it came out when I was in high school, fuck, I am old, that show is old now, that means I'm old. And I was just like, and and he said, "Yeah, it came out for me in middle school," and my brain like started to malfunction and melt. <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh fuck!" I, I'm 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 an old otaku now. I'm an old taku. It's weird. <laughs> it's weird to like be here. Also, when I found out that when like I did the math. I, not did the math when Bennett like said he was about to turn thirty on his um on his youtube channel I'm like oh fuck I'm older than Bennett this is weird ah it's so weird um but anyway, so if you see me at anime n y c wandering around, I'll probably be wearing some sort of bomber jacket and you'll see the arm and If you see me, just, like, come say hi, whatever. I'm going to see panels, see the convention, since I've never actually seen this convention. I've only ever submitted panels to it, and mostly the reason why I'm going is because I've never had a panel submitted, so I want to see the kind of panels that do get accepted, because I have four panels now. I have performed three of them. The fourth, I'm I'm supposed to be working on, but... It's a year away from the next year's panel submission, so I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Um, but definitely, like, if you see me at Anime NYC, say hi, say what's up. Um, I would love to see you, all that jazz. And now we're going to get into a, a show that I am, I have a lot of nostalgia for. I always forget I have nostalgia for it until it comes up and like it rocks me like a fucking hurricane. And that show I I questioned on doing this thing about one or the other, but I think I want to now like in the in the crux of it because both shows have great openings, even if the other even if the second one or technically the first one, but in America the second one, has, like, a weird pandery opening. (laughs) But that show and property, by extension, is Zoids. And I have been, like, practicing how to say this for the entire of the week after I decided, okay, we're doing Zoids. Battlefield, set up. Battle mode. 0982. Ready. Fight. So now that we have listened to one of my favorite like anime openings probably of the early 2000s at all and like maybe the late 90s like I would put the Zoid New Century opening up against the Trigun opening like I would put it in that same family it's got that th- it doesn't have quite that like deep guitar riff thing going on but the Zoids opening gets you pumped. It makes you feel like you're piloting a giant robot, and that's fucking amazing. <laughs> um, and it makes you like want to watch that show. It- it's like it's like, hey, hey, are you paying attention? Pay attention. <laughs> um, so the op- So if you don't know, if you're not familiar with Zoids, the opening I put in is actually for the beginning. Is actually the Zoid's New Century Zero opening. I'll be putting the Zoid's Chaotic Century opening in the end, and that's much more derivative and hilarious and cartoony and commercially. Um, But before we get to talking about the show proper, I wanted to ask you a question as a listener, and that is, why did animation exist? Like, what, why, why do people animate things? I'm not talking about, like, the artistic side of it. That's a slightly different thing. But why does commercial anime exist? Well, basically, it's to sell things to little kids. Um, you can find much more concrete evidence of this in the world than me, but in like the late 80s in america in like the 80s in america ronald reagan repealed a very specific law that says you can't advertise to children on tv and that opened up the floodgates in america but even more than that anime as kind of like a core thing survived not only on its Viewership and what and the sales of ads on that on those TV spots, but in but from the gecko and still today on merchandise sales. So, what do I mean by merchandise sales? I mean, every time you buy an anime figure, that some of that money somehow gets back to the original studio. Um, anytime you Buy a, you know, of hug pillow. Some of that gets back to it. Every time you buy a T-shirt, if you buy a video game that is that has those, that is about from that sh- series. Like, let's say you really like do you trigger and kill a kill. If you go out and you buy a kill a kill, if that contributes to their bottom line somehow, I can't really do the math and let you know one-to-one, but if you're looking for, like, a way that this plays out in studios proper, a great... And I know I keep going back to this thing, but it's on Netflix, so you can definitely find it easily. I think it's still on Netflix. It should be. If you look at, uh, like, a weird middle section of The Kingdom of Dreams and Madness, the now infamous documentary about Studio Ghibli... They have a section where Studio, G- where everybody's hanging out and everybody's talking to the merchandising team for Studio Ghibli. If you go and you look at like the stuff Studio Ghibli offers, they offer like the full range of product. I'm talking toothbrush holders. I'm talking figures. I'm talking enamel pins. I'm talking T-shirts. I'm talking DVD box sets. Everything you could possibly want is, like, that, like, you can buy, like, a throw pillow, you can, like, find hug pillows of, like, Haku. I wouldn't recommend it. They're not official, but, like, you can find that. Like, all of that merchandise, well, except for the illicit hug pillows, um, contribute to their bottom line in a real way. And they, as a studio, because they are so well-known and because they are, at this point, so, like, famous... And with that fame comes clout and power in media. Um, they can control the stream completely. So every time you buy like a Totoro plushie, they get some of that money. And, and so, uh, and this leads to things like the pricing of anime figures. I usually, I think about anime figures. From a price perspective, in like tiers, you have your like basic under under ten dot like ten like fifteen dollars and under like gotcha figures. Those you can you don't have to like worry about. They're not super great quality, but they like they they get the job done. And the fixed you know, and then the. Next tier up is like the thirty to fifty dollar range, and I have a ton of those. those are like they're usually pretty well made, but they're not like they're not like these master classes of oh my God, what is all of this? the fifty dollar tier kind of get there sometimes, and then there's like the maybe fifty to like 100 tier, and those are like the big figures that you see people show off on Instagram and all this other stuff. They like cost insane amounts of money. And this, it's like the I was gonna call it the 100 and up category. And what I mean by 100 and up is you can go on the internet, you can find a Lady of Boshi figure, like Lady of Boshi from um, Prince Monoki. I know I'm, like, giving myself away here as, like, obsessing over this for a period of time. (laughs) And Lady Eboshi, the Lady Eboshi figure costs 500 American (laughs) dollars. You can give someone one half of a grant, half a grand, and, like, get this figure. But that's because of the prestige and the... Like, all the things attached to Lady Oboshi as a character. At, from Being from an amazing film like Princess Mononoke. Being a Studio Ghibli property. All that stuff. So what I'm trying to say here is that... It, it's... Cartoons... Not just cartoons, but anime especially. While it is an art form, was derived to sell... Stuff to sell you stuff, and there's nothing wrong with that. The in fact, the best version of this is a property we've talked about a long time, uh, a lot of times. I've had Alan, the anime connoisseur, like on to talk about the show because he's way deeper into it than I am, and that is Gundam. And Gundam whole job. It to sell your model kit. So every time a Gundam transforms, every time a new robot's introduced, every time, you know, a Gundam gets damaged, that's a new model kit for them to sell you. Um, Gundam Build Fighters is like the shameless version of this. It's just like, Hey, isn't building Gundam fun kids? Um, I kind of dropped off of the like gunpla building game because it just doesn't like if I want to build a certain kind of custom kit in reality, and I have the patience and the skill, needs of which I have, I could just like go to a store and say, "Give me that one, and give me that one, and give me that one," and I'm gonna smush them together. But in build fight in like build fighters, gunpla warfare, or whatever it's called. It, it just doesn't, like, that gating, not allowing me to just, like, give someone money for a kid I want, just, like, makes me sad, ultimately, because I'm like, oh, he had a cool thing before he murdered me. Oh, well. Um, and, uh, another game that, like, scratches that itch pretty well is actually, once again, I know I've talked about this, and if you like Gundam, you should really go play this game. Damon X Machina had that kind of collectible feel, and they made a figure for the special edition of that game. I'm not sure if there's, like... I, I think that there is a Figma coming out. I'm not sure when. I, like, saw whispers of it on the Damon X Machina Reddit forums. But, it's, it, like anime as a whole, but especially giant robot anime, shares this lineage with, like, trying to sell you toys. Transformers is the same kind of thing. We all... Anybody who was young in the 90s and a little kid remembers the Transformer commercial. I mean, you probably had, like, one or two. Not anything crazy, but, like, you had to read the instructions a couple times before you transformed it correctly. I had, like, Beast... Like... Beast Wars Transformers. I had... I think a couple Autobots. Um, but the point remains... I, it, those were toys that the cartoon for was basically a commercial. And the reason why I'm bringing this all up front is... Because that is what Zoids is. Zoids is a commercial... ...for a model kit you can buy. I have... I built exactly one Zoid. And here's what's interesting to me, actually, is that... ...it totally functions as a commercial. They, like, constantly introduce new Zoids you can buy... ...new versions of the same Zoid you can buy. Um, If you look at it carefully... ...if you look at it not even very carefully... If you just, like, use your eyeballs and connect them to the right part of your brain, you'll see that Zoid's New Century, which is my favorite, like, Zoid series of the two and a half I've seen, um, is the... It introduces, like, every couple weeks, it introduces you to a new version of a Zoid, to a new Zoid, to... like, a new armor for a Zoid, to, like, new attachments. It, like, all introduces... It introduces you to all that stuff. Now, what I didn't know until I saw a video that, like, reignited my, like, love for Zoids, and specifically the theme song, the opening song for, um, Zoids New Century Zero, No Future, which is amazing. You've heard it... You've heard it at the beginning here. Is that those... Toys, at one point, were motorized, so, like, you built, you, they came with, like, a motorized, like, skeleton, you built around it, and then they would, like, move, and, like, operate and shit, and they probably had, like, little buttons you could push to, like, make missiles fire out in junk, and, like, that is the coolest, <laughs> because, like, now not only are you building this robot, but because all the Wrote, all the zoids are based off of animals. They're mostly quadrupeds and, like, you can do that with motors. real m- way easier than you can do a human body with motors. Like, then they're moving around your house. And they're not just these, like, idols that you build and stick on a shelf like a Gundam. Um, not that there's anything wrong with, like, building a really cool fucking Gundam. I've built uh, Two okay Gundams, the one that annoyed the shit out of me. Um, High Fumiya in the corner. Um, but, <laughs> The, the cartoons, were, it wasn't necessary for you to understand that the Zoids, the Zoids were figures, even though, like, you got that through osmosis. They, in, especially in Zoid New Century, Zoey's Chaotic Century, we'll get to in a little bit, but in Zoey's New Century, they basically were like, what if sports anime with giant robotic lions What fight giant robotic elephants with a trunk that is also a laser sword? And, like, me as, like, a punk kid in, like, elementary school, middle school, just like, yes! Yes! And it, it doesn't get... I know a lot of it, for me, is nostalgia, but I suspect if you watch *Zoid New Century Zero now, which I think it has a Blu-ray or HD DVD release, but it, you can find it on YouTube. It just looks... Just awful because it's from like the early 2000s, which means it's letterboxed but also in like 720p and it is not made for any of the video equipment we have now, so it all looks super low res and blocky and terrible. Um, but the other notice, the other notable thing about the Zoids franchise is Zoids. Like, Zoids and kind of Blue Sub 6 have the right approach to CG in anime. And what I mean by that... What I mean by the right approach to CG in anime... Blue Sub 6 uses CG to accomplish... Like, the hardness of, like, the military gear in that show. It's, like... That, the, like, mili- the weird-ass military tech in Blue Sub 6, which, if you're interested in hearing about that show, there's a link, there's a, um, episode in the, um, feed about it. But, the, the... That uses CG to kind of, like, say, here's a submarine, here's this, here's some missile missiles, here's some water effects. And it, it doesn't look good... <laughs> I wouldn't say but it has a feel, it has a definite point of view. it, it, it doesn't feel like they were doing like they're doing CGI to cut costs or to like save time. It feels like they're doing CGI because they looked at the property and they're like, This would be interesting. this would be interesting and be like be a way to have the show be noticed. Like I said. It doesn't look good necessarily, but it has a look. Which I think, like, helps the show have a voice. Zoids, however, does just, like, one of the more amazing jobs with CG in that they kind of cut CG by... They they kind of, like, cut the... CG with, like... A heavy dose of, like, flat shading, a flat shaders, um, f- flat, bold shadows. So even though the Zoids themselves are computer-generated, and you can tell that, they feel like the world around them. They don't feel like... They don't feel like a bad PS2 game, because they've had shaders applied to them that make them look like the rest of the environment. And that is... It's it just... In addition to making the Zoids look down to the n- inch, just like their like, real-world counterpart models, which is amazing, it also gives them this, like, slight... This huge weight. And when they do fight... They can make, like, real contact, and they can use all kinds of effects. And it just works really well. Now, what I mean by Joy's New Century is essentially sports anime with, like, a slight twist. It's the story of this Zoid pilot named BitCloud, who was a junk dealer, is, is notably a massive asshole when the show starts off and never really changes all the way through who like has a run in and then a team up with this team called the blitz team and competes in Zoid battles and Zoid battles are kind of like the, the Gundam fights from G Gundam, except it's like four V four or four V like it's, up to four versus up to four, if that makes any sense. And then... At the end of the... Uh, towards the end of the show, they introduce, like, a main... In- t- towards the middle of the show, they introduce, like, a shadowy org- organization called the Backdraft Group. Which is, like, all about, like, using zoids for evil. And then, towards the end of the show... Towards, like, the middle third of the show... Towards, like, the middle third of the show... The end of the middle third of the show, rather they introduce, like, the main villain, a kid named Vega, who's, like, an ace-zoid pilot, and all the way through, they're, like, giving you this thing about, like, an organoid system and all this mysterious zoid power bullshit. And, you know, as a kid, it doesn't take much for you to buy into something, and I I rarely agree with ed- with, like, editing and, like, airing out of order, but I understand why... Cartoon Network was like, no, we want to order, we want to air this one first, and then we'll air this one second, because Zoids New Century Zero is mu- has uh, like this sports fe- has this feeling of like being like a sport and be and this very tuned competitive. It- it- if you've ever seen IGPX. It uses the same kind of mold as IGPX to accomplish something in a di- slightly different lane, and so it's all team competitions until they get, and they get to the World Cup, and then they have those. They have like a World Cup competition that all co- culminates in like a huge battle against Vega and his, in his unique organoid Zoid called the Berserk Fury, and it's just. The combination of music and the timing the timing of the music and the use of the zoids because they're freed up to use them as 3D animation instead of hand animation really makes everything kind of sing together because it's never a... It doesn't have the problem of not having enough budget, uh, not having enough time to animate something because computer animation even back then is so much more flexible because it's not a person pouring sweat and blood weight into it it's a person being like okay I want the Zoid to move over here move it over here but like slowly turn it so it feels natural or I want the Zoid to spin out. So they animate the spin out. And then... And this is a specific scene. This is the re- the burst of, wild e- of the second generation of the Wild Eagle. The, so Jamie, who's a character on the show, is unconscious. He's flying a Zoid called the Raynos, which is a big fucking teal pterodactyl. It was 2001. We were basically still in the 90s. Don't hold it against me. <laughs> and... He's falling, 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 falling. And then you hear the beginning riff of No Future. And all the other characters are like, Pull up! Pull up! Pull up! And then No Future kicks in hard. And the Reynos, like this robot pterodactyl he's in, just like screeches. And he wakes up and pulls up at the last second and just like murders a whole fleet of giant robot bats. And the ho- the show knows when to make those, like, awesome sweeping moments. It doesn't do them, like, over and over and over and over each other, so they have space to breathe and be their, old cool- their own cool thing. Another badass thing is the first time... BitCloud uses, like, his Lio- Liger Zero Panzer armor, which is this big, green, assault tank, insane thing. And, like, the Liger shuts down, and he's like, oh, fuck, it's overheated. And it, it previous in the, previously in the episode, you see the Liger always overheats. And he's like, oh, fuck, it's overheated. This sucks. I shouldn't have taken this risk. (laughs) Come on, Lager. Believe in the heart of the cards. It's like like a believe in the heart of cards moment. And then, and this is the best, this is part of the reason why you, watching this show, you grow to love the opening scene, the, like, no future scene, because it is the triumphant, like, it's the go-go Power Rangers of the Zoid's chaotic, of the Zoid's New Century Zero show. It's just like every time there's gonna be a badass thing that happens, you start to hear just in, like, just in the corner of the scene, just you hear and then all of a sudden z- the of entire cockpit just, like, sprouts, screens everywhere and you see all of the, like, enemies highlighted and then like a uh, eyepiece comes out and Biff's like, Oh right, let's do this and then he screams Burning Big Bang and just launches hot fire at like every single freaking enemy on the battlefield. And just like and I know I'm fangirling out right now, but it feels awesome. It feels like not like '90s, early 2000s level awesome to like watch this show and just like feel awesome along with these scenes. And there's tons of scenes like that in this show. Now, what I want to do is I want to like switch gears here. I want to talk about because for the rest of the show, I want I really want to talk about. Chaotic Sentry, because Chaotic Sentry is a different thing, and it has it has some of the same elements, but with different... but with a whole different trapping. So Chaotic Sentry is the canonical first Zoid series. And what Chaotic Sentry does is it pitches a much more traditional giant robot show pitch... You're living in the the characters Van and later Van, Fiona, um, Moon Bay, and um, I want to say Irvine are the characters who are all living in this like wartime, kind of ancient, Native American, Western jumble of things. And, A, what's amazing is, like, Moon Bay is supposed to be Native American, and there's nothing super offensive about it. Like, uh, uh, congratulations. Um, (laughs) I guess, Japan. Um, try not to fuck it up. Oh, wait, you did. Um, but, so, they have this, like, multicultural cast. They have this, um... But then you get into, but basically, so then you get into the plot, and the plot starts with Fe- Van finds Fiona in a ruin once he encounters this sleeper Zoid, and in Zoid's New Century Zero, Zoids just kind of are, and they're bought and sold, but at one point, like a character straight up meets a Zoid in the canyon and was like, "We're partnered now," like the giant fucking robot Pokemon, and you're like. Wait, what? That's fine, let's go! Um, but... Zoids Chaos essentially basically explains that like... Zoids are... Biomechanical... Animals, basically. And humanity tames them like we tame horses. Only humanity also straps guns to the sides of these giant robot horses. And like... Fights with them. So... It, it gives the... It gives the show a whole... It gives the show and the property this whole different feel. It it makes you think back to when you saw... Uh, Zoid New Century Zero and you see the Liger Zero... Without any armor on and he's just like... And it just like roars and bends his back like a lion. And you're like, oh shit, it is a lion. It's a giant robot lion. That's cool as shit. Um... But what Zoe's Chaos Century also does, is it does something that most giant robot anime about war don't do. Is it talks about the lead up to a war. And I saw a YouTube video that illustrates this more. But basically it's not inter it's not interested in the fight the robots are necessarily going to have Because it doesn't want to do the, like... Um... Itano Circus bullshit. It more wants to do... Close, personal, meaningful fights. So you attach yourself to the pilots... And then to the... toy that you can go out and buy. Um... And... As a result... It feels so much more contemplative about war and about both sides in a war than you get at first blush with something like Gundam. And the reason I say that is because Gundam starts at, like, the top of the freaking, like, chart with, like, over-the-top insane war rhetoric. And then it floats down to a human level as you watch the show. The Zoids is only interested in that human level, and it makes the villain go up to, like, the top of the rhetoric, and everybody around the villain starts to understand, oh, this is fucked. We don't want to bring back Mechagodzilla, but worse, that seems awful. Let's not, please. Um, which is the, the, like, end goal of basically every character in that freaking in... Zoid's chaotic century, but what Zoid's chaotic century manages to do, while it's not, while the like it what it why it feels so different from New Century Zero, it manages to give human emotion to not the Zoids, and this this is so this is a this is the trade off you get here. Zoids' chaotic century has much more of a focus on the Zoids, and the Zoids have these personalities. Like the Shadow Fox has this very specific personality, and it has this really trademark howl that it like like um. But the and the Liger Zero has this has a personality like like it's a pet basically. Even zoids are less expressive, like the gun sniper, like Lena's gun sniper, have this, like, abundance of, like, huh? Huh? Like, the dumbass velociraptor. Um, but... The zoids in Chaotic Century lack a personality probably because they're... Pilots are given most of the room to be the personality of the show. In Zoid's Zoid's New Century Zero, Bit and Liger have, like, a constant fucking argument about shit all the time. Like, Bit's like, no, what the fuck are you doing? And then he's like, I'm... I'm just a dude in a hole in like a box inside of a robot lion right now. It's doing what it wants. It's fine. It'll be fine. And while there is some of that in Chaotic Century, it's not as pronounced. And it doesn't need to be as pronounced because Chaotic Century, if it had to hold the weight of this, like, prelude to war storyline that it has going throughout the entire thing, plus, like, this, like, all the personalities of all these different zoids, it would kind of probably crush itself under its own weight, if that makes any sense. And the reason I say that is because, like, bi- like I love new, new Century to Death, don't get me wrong. But... BitCloud is a shown in action asshole hero. You know Lena Lena Toros is a sundere who like wants to bang Bit in like the worst way possible, but she doesn't want him to know. Um Naomi is like the fem, Naomi who's a um rival Zoid pilot is like the femme fatale, the like end all femme fatales um Jack Cisco is very specifically like a rival character in a really like specific shonen anime mold <laughs> like he's he he sounds like this and he goes fast he he Jack Cisco and so like the characters they introduce there it, the all the characters in New Century 0 are Basically archetypes. They're they're not they're not there for you to get super invested in them because the like surrounding trappings of the show want you to like be like cool. So what I'm what I'm trying to say is they are not th- the comparisons to um. IGPX in Zoid's New Century Zero don't extend to the fleshing out of the character. The the characters are left largely unfleshed out. Like, the way they flesh out Jamie is that, like, he comes into his own by losing consciousness and, like, gaining an alternate personality who is just the most chauvinistic asshole. Like, he calls women little lady and, like, is a ...fucking asshole pilot. But... ...the... ...thing about Zoid's new... Sen- the ...about Zoid Chaos Century... ...is... ...it wants to invest you in a much more... ...traditional... ...giant robot... ...anime. And so... ...what it does is it gives its pilots... ...a lot more personality... ...a lot more room to have personality... ...than something like New Century Zero does, which is... What I'm really saying is is that I I personally like New Century Zero a lot more. Um, That's a lot of nostalgia talking. I realize that. But New Century Zero is much more of a toy commercial. It's much more of, like, feel empathy for this thing so you can go out and buy it in a store. And Chaotic Century is much more of... A, this was somebody's first crack at this, and they fucking threw everything at it they had. And, like, made a a show that is, like, a better show, but it feels odder because it's not, it's, it feels like it's not all, it's not all about the, like, cool robots, it's, not only the cool robots, but the people who pilot them. So, like, for example... A Zoid New Century Zero, like, setup just has the Zoid in, like, your ideal setup. But, like, a Zoid's chaotic set... Like, it, the Liger Zero just comes as itself. It, like, doesn't come with, like, anything else. But, like, in the... L- Case of Chaotic Century, the blue Blade Liger comes very specifically with, like, the Blade Liger you can build. And then a little van and Fiona and, like, a uh, extra, like, Zeke you can build to, like, put on the shelf next to it. Because that's the whole package there. And the Zoid New Century Zero whole package is just the robot, if that makes any sense. And th- and that's why I've opened up the show talking about, like, why anime is the way it is, and why, why animation I- exists on a commercial level. Because, at the end of the day, Zoids, as much as I love both series, is about selling you a model kit. A cool model kit, but a model kit. And... While I think that both of these things probably accomplish that, I think they are also kind of stand on their own two feet as these amazing, just giant robot shows. It, so, a pr- and a problem I have with Gundam Build Fighter the show, is it removes the artifice. Characters go into a store and buy a box... And build a f- fucking Gundam. It's not, th- and in that moment, the Gundam—it's as a like machine—stops feeling special. It stops feeling unique. It starts feeling like just like a thing. Sa- like, hey, he he saved up his allowance. He got himself a Gundam. Oh, I got one yesterday. It doesn't feel. Like, the Gundam's in, like, what's a good example of this? The Gundam in, the Gundam's in Double feel fucking dangerous. So dangerous, in fact, that when the other pack of Gundam shows up and starts fucking their shit up, they're like, oh, fuck, this is what we've been doing to people? This is fucked up. That's fucked up. And then, but compare that to something like Double O. They feel like eh, everybody can have a Gundam. Like, wh- why are we doing this? But in both Chaos Century and New Century Zero, um, the Zoids feel. Unique, and interesting, and expensive as all hell. (laughs) Especially, like, in New Century Zero, like, this whole side plot of Tauros, the the owner of the Blitz team, just being fucking dead-ass broke. Also, a model kit otaku, which is hilarious, because he has all the model kits of all the fucking... Zoids that exist, and any new one he finds, he's like, I'm, ai I'm am I'm going a build that, myself. Um, but... And, and also in New... In Chaotic Century, the Zoids feel special and unique. And, like, someone's Zoid is their specific Zoid. They don't go... like It's not like everybody has a Blade Lager. No. Ban has the Blade Lager. Um... There's a character who has a stupid-ass Scorpion Zoid called the Death Dinger. That character, Zoid, is the Death Dinger. The The only character... And when a character hops from Zoid to Zoid to Zoid to Zoid, it's seen as, like, sacrilege. And in both shows, in New Century Zero and in Chaotic Century, the, like, ultimate bad guy, who's um, a little kid in Ultimate Century named Vega, and... Uh, a little kid in um Chaos Century, I forget its name, but it's like along the same lines. They both basically like use any Zoid that's around. They're like, okay, that one murder time and like they're seen as like ruthless more than a little crazy assholes. <laughs> because they aren't using the thing that like they came up using and I just, I, it has a lot to say about Zoids of the property has a lot, at least these two shows, the first two shows, have a lot to say about the giant anime genre and what it's capable of and what it looks like at its best. And I think that's really interesting because typically when you think about, like, what giant robot anime looks at its best, at its best, you think about something like Gundam. But like I said, Gundam has gotten to the point where, like, it's an everybody deserves a trophy, everybody's special kind of thing, instead of where Zoids kind of always is, which is like, no, these are cool-ass collectible toys, and that's why we're going to give each character their own one. Instead of, like, characters are like, oh, I, and I haven't seen the newest Zoid show, although I've heard they've gone a little weird. It's... It's probably closer to, like, the Gundam build fighter scenario now, of, like, collect the parts and put them together, and what do you got? Mediocrity. But, oh, God. Um... It starts from a place of, like, you have a hero character who has a hero character robot. And that, that that feels good. It always feels good. But that said, I hope you liked this episode. If you did, you can subscribe in your podcast app of choice. You can leave a review in a podcast app of choice. If someone would leave a review in iTunes, I would actually love that. Um, but... Until next time, I've been Alex, who is the to to you, and talk to you later.